Hey, what's up, everyone? It is C.W. Hall, your host here on Medical Association of Georgia's Top Docs Radio Show, our fifth year on the air. Kind of crazy to think about it. Um, With more than 8,000 members, of course, MAG is the voice of the physician in Georgia. Uh, They represent physicians in almost every specialty and practice setting, and it is also made possible by a partnership with Alliant Health Solutions. We want to say thank you very much to them for making this show possible. And with me today, we're going to be talking about cancer, and I've got a a repeat guest, Dr. Lichtenfeld, with me today. He's joined us three times on the show previously, and a little bit about his background. He is the Interim Chief Medical Officer with the Office of the Chief Medical Officer in the American Cancer Society. He's a leading authority on cancer care, research, and advocacy. He's board-certified medical oncologist and internist who was a practicing physician for nearly 20 years and it's worth noting he has as I mentioned joined me on the on the show on numerous occasions to talk about various aspects around cancer care and today we wanted to talk about cancer care in the rural setting and when you look around the state of Georgia obviously we've got Atlanta but outside of maybe Savannah and Macon it's a rural state so many many people in our state of Georgia are living in one of those communities that may not have as much access to good cancer care and, and treatment modalities so tell us where we are today in, in an update with with cancer treatment and then let's get into some of the disparities that affects the rural community well they're all really important points CW and and I would point out that um, I lived in South Georgia my wife is a, was a gynecologist in South Georgia for 25 years now is here in Atlanta but we lived and she practiced in South Georgia so we're very acutely aware of some of the issues that rural communities face throughout the state and in fact it's when you get into it you begin to understand that we do not have equal access to care throughout the state of Georgia and frankly that's true throughout the country so let's talk a little bit about what we know has happened in cancer and the American Cancer Society back in early January came out with our annual update we call cancer cancer statistics 2019 but in that report the the good news so to speak and if there's good news about cancer and and hopefully we can help more people but the news we reported then was that we have had a decline of 27 percent in cancer deaths in this country in the death rates in this country from 1991 through 2016 which is the last year that we have statistics. It takes a while to the statistics come there. But 27%. That means that 2.6 million premature deaths were averted wow. as a result of improvements in cancer. Why did it happen? It happens for a lot of reasons. It happens because people are more aware. It happens because of the decline of smoking. It happens because of early intervention and, and, and early detection and better treatments and, and just all around better cancer care. But not everybody shared equally in that. And that's what, one of the points that really stood out to me in that report. It's, again, something that has been near and dear to my heart, my wife's heart, and others for quite some time. And when you read the report, there was a couple of small comments in there about some cancers are actually increasing, but most important, relevant to this discussion, cervical cancer deaths in rural parts of America compared to more affluent urban settings. Cancer, cervical cancer deaths are twice as high as they are in rural America, as they are in other and more urban settings. And the same is true for other cancers that are, can be detected and treated effectively. So uh, lung cancer, liver cancer in men, and we're also uh, colorectal cancer, breast cancer. The cancers we can do something about. Now, 
what was also interesting was in some cancers where we don't have early detection, there really wasn't much of a difference. So unfortunately, we can't do much in early detection for ovarian cancer. Same numbers, you know, we're uh, in both rural and urban, lymphoma, leukemia. Those are cancers where when we diagnose it, we treat, they're equal in all settings. Mm -hmm. So when you think about that, it really sends a message. It sends a message that we need to do more in this country. We need to do more in Georgia as a state to really pay attention to some of the serious issues, some of the lifestyle issues, quite honestly, some of the early detection issues, and, of course, the treatment. Uh, Not the treatment's not available, but it's access and availability that really counts. Sounds like the issue out there partly around those preventable cancers, or at least the ones that are treatable, is screening. It's getting access to just being checked for the presence. It's it's a lot of things, and, and we can talk about smoking. Smoking prevalence is higher in rural communities than it is in urban communities, and that the the impact of tobacco on cancer goes. It's not just lung cancer; it's many other cancers as well. Lifestyle, obesity issues. We're familiar, of course, obesity is an increasing problem throughout this country, but it's a particular problem in, in rural parts of the country, and so those are issues that affect what we call lifestyle habits. But screening. Yeah, it's it's a big deal. So there are parts of this country where, for example, we know that lung cancer screening can save lives. But the, in areas that are, that are remote, areas that unfortunately are generally poor, have fewer resources, access to lung cancer screening, quality lung cancer screening is, is difficult. And we have to figure out, as a, our policy, our, our folks who deal with policy have to figure out a way to make sure this access occurs, because without access to screening, without access to treatment, we can have all the wonderful things in the world. If people can't get to those wonderful things uh, to help them, uh, then we we won't win the battle. And and it sounds like with the trouble that we're having out in the rural community, and when you think about physicians, for example, Mm -hmm. physician recruitment to a particular community to provide services, I know that particularly in Georgia, it's been a big issue trying Mm -hmm. to get the internal medicine physicians, primary care, um, and even other specialists out there. I mean, are there other factors that are contributing to this kind of widening gap, it feels like? It seems like the the more that gap is present, the, the farther apart it gets. Well, that's a very good point, and there are some, obviously, areas around Georgia and other parts of the country where there's high-quality rural health care. But, you know, there's an article in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that was there a number of months ago, and it impressed on me. It happened to be about Webster County, Georgia, and it talked about the lack of any primary care uh, physicians or health professionals in, in that county. There was a pharmacist who had taken it upon themselves to help make this problem known. People in Webster County were walking to get medical care to Columbus. You read that, and you begin to understand how serious this is. Now, I've heard more recently that there are actually some bringing some primary care clinicians in. How we and, and let's also remember as part of this discussion, having access to primary care is the beginning of trying to solve the problem. You don't necessarily need the fanciest care. You need the primary care. And then work through the rest of it, how to make that happen. Transportation's a big issue. So, you know, there are people in rural Georgia that can't, they don't have enough funds to get, buy gas to get from their homes to a care center. Those are the kinds of things a lot of us don't think about. And policymakers, we're going to attack this problem, and again, not just cancer, but it's health care in general. We've got to really rethink 
how we approach some of these issues. You mentioned policymakers. Uh, a lot of folks might hear us talking about this kind of a disparity in access to care in the rural community and think, well, geez, the Affordable Care Act set aside uh, you know, options for mm-hmm. people to have greater access to care. Talk about that. It doesn't. I don't think it really completely well, fixed the problem. you know, some people <laughs> politically don't agree with the Affordable Care Act. I understand that. Um, here in our state, we have not expanded, you know, access to care through the Affordable Care Act, and particularly among people with Medicaid expansion. That's a political decision that was made and still is the rule of our state. But, you know, some states, and it's interesting and it's unfortunate, some states did expand the, uh, access to care to, to those less fortunate, and they have seen increasing cancer screening rates and it's too early to see a a change in the outcomes but we anticipate that's going to happen but in one of our not quite neighboring states they expanded the affordable care act and they saw incredible increases in screening behaviors incredible improvements in health behaviors and access to primary care and that state now for political purpose is now moving back from their commitment in that regard so we will see what happens interesting but in those states the American Kansas has published information and data that showed that in states where the Affordable Care Act was uh, was adopted in its fullest extent, there have already been changes in health behaviors and changes that predict in the future those the folks in those states will be better off. Unfortunately, many of the states in the Southeast don't quite see it that way. I mean, when you think about this kind of a challenge, what do you feel like the the fix is. I imagine it's going to take us a minute to get there, just because we've got we've got the paucity of physicians out there that we're trying to address, and um, you know the issue of just healthful behaviors. Um, you know, what do you think the what do you think the fix is to, well, to bring this a little closer? I, I've been around a long time. And I've learned there are no easy fixes for many of the problems we face, not only healthcare but in general. But one of the interesting, uh, there's an article recently, a colleague of mine, Otis Brawley, uh, and another colleague and friend, Blaise Polite, who's at the University of Chicago, Otis is now at Johns Hopkins, they wrote an article, and it was in one of the JAMA journals, Journal American Medical Association Family Journals, and they talked about what works. And they made it very clear what works are not only policy changes that allow care to occur, but commitments on the parts of communities to make it happen. And so they cited, for example, New York City. And they they cited underserved populations in New York City and a commitment to screen for colorectal cancer. And they've seen a decline in colorectal cancer deaths. Um, And breast cancer in other communities, large cities. But these really take, you know, the community can't just sit back and say, well, let it happen. That doesn't work. When people say this is not acceptable and they come together in order to try to find solutions, those sometimes are the most effective solutions one can have. So recently at the Georgia Cancer Coalition, I heard a presentation from Southeast Georgia. And there, there, there's a community and there are physicians and there are others who have built up a coalition in Southeast Georgia to try to address some of these problems. And hopefully they'll have a real impact. But it really takes people saying, this isn't right. This is not acceptable. What solutions can we offer? Is it going to be mobile screening? Mm-hmm. Is it going to be making sure people get the appropriate testing to see if they have a, a genetic, if they have a family risk 
history. Right. No, th- those kinds of solutions come from people. They come from communities. Government policymakers can write large things. I call it rough cut. You know, they're they're not granular. They're they're not the kind. They're the things that make big decisions. Access to care, health insurance, but then communities actually have to make it work. Sounds like a, you know we've got a long way to go. Um, I think engagement is one of those big things that it does so much around just our healthful behaviors. Mm-hmm. I, I think that can obviously affect these cancer rates. Um, are, are you seeing in Georgia? I know that there's some resources, and even at the federal level, around tele telehealth mm-hmm. as a platform to be able to maybe get even access to some degree of primary care. But do you see from your position with the Cancer Society is that having any kind of effect on making a dent in this? We have, we have seen some examples of professional outreach with telehealth that have made a real difference. There's something called Project ECHO. And major centers, major academic centers take on the responsibility of having basically um, communications with physicians in rural communities. But you know, I, I also have a home in rural Georgia, still in North Georgia. And everybody thinks that the internet is everywhere. It's not everywhere. Uh, and what internet may be in some communities is not adequate to support telehealth. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of excitement and a lot of appropriate excitement about using the capacities of telehealth to reach out to individual patients in their homes. We now have all sorts of devices. We have means of actually monitoring patients you know, and during an examination. There's an infrastructure that's been in place to try to make this work. But the missing piece in some of that infrastructure is, does the person, number one, have internet uh, access? Is that internet access adequate to make something happen? And can they get involved in one of these systems? So this is very much evolving, a lot of excitement. A lot of people who are you know, listening to this discussion may be familiar with uh, virtual doctor visits that yeah. are many of the insurance carriers and some of the institutions are actually putting forward. But we're still in the very early stage of trying to figure out. So, for example, do I have to go see a doctor in order to get my blood pressure checked and change my medicine? Probably not. There's a tool for that mm-hmm. to get my blood sugar checked. There's a tool for that. Uh, and I can probably get online and, uh, and have the doctor sitting in their office, me sitting in my home. I'd much rather be at home or in my office than I would having to trudge off to see sure. a doctor. And when you begin to realize that capability and the fundamental relatively not quite simple things that we do you start to understand that we can start expanding specialist care we can start doing so much more and so that that is something that's been building for a long time payment policy is changing and hopefully it'll continue to build ultimately in rural communities we've got to make sure people can have internet access and that that internet access is adequate to support the kinds of things that have to be done as part of what we call a virtual visit. Well, it sounds like there's some work to be done kind of at all levels, both from the policymakers, but also um, having our physicians that are in these communities and maybe some that are just around them to Mm -hmm. try to kind of form some some degree of teamwork, if you will, and and, um, even the community members themselves to help advance the knowledge that, that resources are are available to the extent that they are. And it takes a community and it takes clinicians and let me share with you that there are many outstanding physicians and other health professionals in these communities who are trying to do the best they can with sometimes the limited resources are available. And you can't go in and say, you can't come in from outside 
and say, we're going to fix this for you. We know the answer. The answer is this. When you're living somewhere else in a more urban area, we know what's right for you. No, you've got to engage communities. And communities mean all kinds of communities, not just towns, not just cities, but also churches and, and clubs and, and other, uh, shall we say, you know, communities that we don't traditionally define that way, so to speak. But yes, we can make a difference. We have to put our minds to figure out how to make it happen. If someone is either a they have have a loved one or themselves are dealing with cancer or maybe um, there's someone in the community wants to be more involved or even a physician out there that wants to learn maybe how they might be able to contribute uh, around this kind of issue you have some resources whether they're online or otherwise that folks might want to check we out. sure do uh, so uh, online we have a website and one that's that's uh, you know monitored constantly for making sure it's up to date and that's a www.cancer.org cancer.org and we have a call center that's available at 800-227-2345 100-ACS-2345 and that web, that the call center there are people there 24-7 willing to help and waiting to help and anybody who has a question about the American Cancer Society can go online send us a note you know we do have a chat capability online as well get in touch with us and we'll be glad to see what we can do to help you out I always have enjoyed having you on the show dr lichtenstein it was a pleasure too (laughs) great guest and always share some uh, very helpful information and everybody who made us a part of their day-to-day i want to say thank you very much over four hundred twenty thousand views up to this point if you can believe that it's pretty cool to have this partnership with the medical association of georgia and alliant health solutions to make this possible make sure that you go to mag.org slash top docs you can catch all of our previous episodes that we've had out there over the years and then also you can link in with them on twitter and facebook and if you can turn around and click share on the show today Um, you might just be putting some information in the hands of somebody that uh, either needs this information to make a difference in their life or maybe they're going to be somebody that uh, takes up the flag and and champions it for some other folks out there in the community just for clicking share and um, if you didn't realize it we've been listened to from all 50 states around uh, the united states and over 80 countries around the world so we're getting the word out there. I really appreciate guests like you, Dr. Lichtenfeld, join us on this show. We look forward to catching up with you again sometime real soon. We'll see you then.